Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Once he came in blessing, all our sins redressing. Jesus came in the flesh to bear our sins in his body. To go, he, went, he came to go to the cross and to redeem us from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil. Of course, not with gold or silver, but he redeems us with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. Only a man could die, but only God could render the perfect payment for all people. And so Jesus, the God-man, did all of this by Jesus, who is God, the eternal God, coming into this world in the flesh, born as a human being some 2,000 years ago, uniting his divine nature to human nature so that he would die and take away the sins of the world. Now just think about how amazing that would have been to have been alive during those years in which Jesus conducted his earthly ministry. Previously, some people during certain periods had witnessed some amazing miracles. You might think about the time of Moses or the time of Elijah and Elisha. But most people throughout the Old Testament did not witness all these amazing miracles. Instead, they heard the faithful word proclaimed to them by the priests and prophets who would speak of the coming Messiah. But then in the fullness of time, Jesus came in the flesh, fulfilling that promise first given to Adam and Eve after they had sinned. And Jesus, when he came, he preached with authority. He did many amazing things like drove out demons, healed the sick, cleansed the lepers. <clears throat> he could even raise the dead. To see him in the flesh as he conducts this ministry, you would think all would be amazed by it. But as you know, not all were amazed. Some were angered by his faithful preaching, his right interpretation of the word, his explanation how he is the one who is to come. Others, seeing his miracles, concluded that he must have a demon to do these things, or they're scandalized because he actually had the audacity to perform a miracle on the Sabbath day, that day of rest. And as a result, some figured that the world would be much better off if he were simply dead. A solution that many still have to this day. Don't like it? Kill it. Get rid of it. What they didn't realize is that God would use their hatred and their anger to allow his son to die so that the world's sins could be taken away. Now, through this death, Jesus would even atone for those who so angrily sought to kill him. In fact, on the cross, Jesus mercifully and lovingly said something that we sometimes have a hard time saying. Father, Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. 
Our hope, our joy, and our peace in believing in Christ all come because our God is not dead, but that he is living. Death and the grave could not contain the only begotten Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he, as you know well, rose triumphantly from the grave, and his resurrection means that our salvation is truly earned and won by our God, that we can truly be reconciled to our Father, that the gates of heaven are truly open to us, and that eternal life is not just a far-out wish, but it is a gift that God presents to us as his beloved children. And so we look forward to that time when we can be with the Lord in heaven. But what about the present time? What about now? We're not there in heaven yet, where he has ascended. And because he has ascended, we do not see him face to face like the crowds did when Jesus conducted his ministry in Galilee. To many, as a result, these speeches, these talks, these biblical writings about who Jesus is and what he has done for us and for our salvation may simply seem to be an abstraction. Many may think of God as just being a far-out idea, far separated from the here and now and the present realities and challenges of this life. Sadly, many children's books on Christ our Lord depict Jesus as yet another cartoon, as if our creator is but a cartoon, make-believe, or a fairy tale. Our second lesson, however, teaches us all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, in him all things are preeminent. He is preeminent. Clearly, he is no cartoon fair or or character or fairy tale, yet we don't see him as the disciples did when Jesus conducted his public earthly ministry some 2,000 years ago. So is he present? Is our faith merely in a future event of some eternal bless? Or is there something significant today? What is God doing in our lives today? And how does he come to us? We sang, now he gently leads us, with himself he feeds us. He comes to us, now. On Monday, Thursday, Jesus spoke at length to his disciples before going out to the Garden of Gethsemane, that place where Jesus regularly prayed and Judas knew of that location for prayer. And so Judas knew to go out to Jesus in that garden and betray him. It is there that Jesus is arrested. But before arriving at the Garden of Gethsemane, after Jesus had already been speaking to them and instituting the Lord's Supper, he then continues to speak. In fact, he at one point says, Arise, let us go from here. And then in our reading, it can 
continues with Jesus speaking. So did they get up from the upper room? Were they on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane? We're not real sure on the location in which Jesus is now speaking in our reading from John 15. But part of the speech that Jesus gives is what we heard tonight, that Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. He said, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This past spring, spring my family and I participated in the annual cleanup day at the Lexington Battlefield. They taught us about the various invasive species that are growing uh, in the, the park. One of them, in particular, is known as winter creeper. It's a vine that spreads about along the, the ground, but then if it can find a tree or something, it'll grow up on that tree. And then when it has that air to breathe, it'll bloom, and then it'll spread even further uh, by seed. It is something that stays green all winter. You might not notice the tree is even dead because of all the green that it gives off. And so we were instructed to just simply cut about an inch of it off, a little bit of the vine, and that way it would stop living, at least the part that is growing up the tree. So by cutting it off at its roots, it can no longer feed the rest of the vine on the tree, and the winter creeper on the tree will die. Well, Jesus says that he is the vine and we are the branches. If you, cut, if you cut the vine off, the branches will not live. He feeds us with himself, as we just sang. Without him, we can do nothing. We would die. So our spiritual health and our ability to, or, or, or our path to salvation does not come from our efforts or from our desires, but instead it comes from the vine. It comes from Jesus. So separate us, the branches, from the vine and we would be dead. Precious food from heaven, pledge of peace here given. The Bible speaks of different ways of eating food. Of course, there are accounts of people eating meals to sustain their bodies. And this is physical eating. Physical eating, something we just did a little bit ago before starting our service downstairs. We ate. So that's just plain physical eating. We can see examples of it. Jesus ate breakfast with his disciples after rising from the dead. Earlier he fed the 5,000. Jesus participated in that physical eating. In addition to physical eating in the scriptures, there's sacramental eating. One could say that when the Old Testament Christians ate the lamb as part of the Passover feast, they were engaging in a sacramental eating. It was, of course, a sacrifice. We participate in sacramental eating when we eat the body and drink the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in Holy Communion. And this is one of the most important ways Jesus feeds us today as he give us, gives us that precious food from heaven. 
Now, a broader form of sacramental eating is spiritual eating. So you can say that all sacramental eating is spiritual eating, but not all spiritual eating is sacramental eating. So what is the spiritual eating? Well, we can say that we feed on the word of God. Now, of course, we don't physically pick up our Bibles and begin to eat it. We don't take our bulletins home and cook it up a little bit and serve it on the platter. But we do receive this life-giving, life-saving word as it comes to us, as we hear it. We sometimes talk about eating up certain things that we don't actually eat. That is, if someone really likes something, we can say that he really ate it up or eats it up. For example, if I, tell you, if, if I hear that you like model trains, I might say to you, well, you ought to go to Union Station to see their exhibit. You'll really eat it up. Of course, you're not going to begin eating model trains, but you in, you'll enjoy your time looking at them. I think this is helpful when understanding this concept of spiritual eating. It doesn't necessarily require a physical eating, but it could. Spiritual eating is consuming the word in the various ways that word comes to us. We need that vine in order to participate in this eating. For without Christ, there is, of course, no spiritual eating. And without, there, without any spiritual eating, there would then be no life abiding in us. For Jesus says... If you abide in my word, you will be my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So the vine supplies life to its branches. Cut off this vine, and the branches shrivel up and die. Simply put, when we starve ourselves by foregoing the word, if we're foregoing the spiritual eating, our faith will die. But when we are fed by Christ, as we sang, our faith will flourish. It needs to be stressed that spiritual eating includes not only feeding on the word, but also the sacramental eating. So spiritual eating is receiving Christ not only through the word, but also in the visible form of the word, which is the sacrament, namely the Lord's Supper. Jesus speaks about the spiritual eating most clearly in John 6, which after feeding the 5,000, he taught his disciples, saying, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. And so we conclude our second stanza of the hymn, Manna that will nourish souls that they may flourish. Way to describe this spiritual eating is to call these blessings of God and word and sacrament as a heavenly manna. Throughout the time of the wandering of the Israelites in the wilderness for those 40 years, God fed them physically through that manna which he had supplied, that dew from heaven, 
They kept their bodies alive until they had run their earthly course. And in the same way, God's word keeps us spiritually alive until that time when we will see God face to face when he returns again in glory, until that time when we meet the Lord in glory. What all of this means is that God is not absent from us. Now he comes to us. He is present in profound ways, in mysterious ways, and we rejoice in his presence through his word and the sacrament. We not only have the opportunity to hear the word, but we also come into Christ's presence through the word. So it's not just listening, but the word brings about his presence. And even more so, as we participate in the Lord's Supper, as we eat his body and drink his blood. He also has taught his disciples that we are to pray to him. And he, of course, hears us, and he answers our many prayers. And so God is not far off. He isn't distant. He isn't just some sort of, some sort of abstraction or some sort of idea that might be far into the future. But he is your God now, who loves you and comes to you. And so what a marvelous treasure we have as Jesus, our Emmanuel, comes to us even now. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.